Hello and welcome back to Crackpot Theories, the podcast where everything is plausible until proven otherwise. Season 2, Crackpot Boogaloo. Um, so we are back once again with Scarlet Crypt. Hello, it's I, Scarlet Crypt. Barbie enthusiast and drag queen. <laughs> and you didn't run away screaming after the last episode. That's, um, it's quite an achievement. Oh no, I'm having a lot of fun. <laughs> okay, beautiful. Um, well, I mean, we'll have to see how you feel at the end of this episode because um, this one, we're journeying slightly outside of your comfort zone and when this is a mostly me theory, you never know what's going to happen. I caused my old co-host a lot of nightmares uh, because of things that I told her on the podcast, so y- you really should brace yourself. I'm ready, let's go. <laughs> okay, excellent. She took a Xanax. We're good to go. Um, anyway, so our episode is going to be based on a very short-lived toy line and a single cartoon OVA called Charmkins. Um, now, you've never heard of this. I had heard the name Charmkins, though I never did any research into it. Okay, you're you're better off, honestly. Um, very few people have heard of this because it was very, very quickly buried. Um, now, the reason it came to my attention was a couple of years back, I was very involved with the UK My Little Pony collection um, community. And I went to um, a UK PonyCon. And somebody there in the sales was selling this DVD that had a couple of episodes of the old My Little Pony Tales episodes. It had um, the regular My Little Pony and Friends. It had two episodes of the Moon Dreamers and two episodes of Gem and the Holograms. And then at the very end, they had Charmkins OVA. And it was one of the weirdest things I had ever watched. And I watch it very often to this day just because it, it's kind of like the best worst thing you've ever watched you know the the way people will watch really bad films for fun yes okay i totally understand that yeah so it's very like that it, it's a bit like the room of cartoons although not as obviously bad because you can tell some talent went into making this um but i'm getting slightly ahead of myself i'm going to just um tell you a little bit about what the um toy line is and about what our theory is so there were a line of toys that had this sort of charm bracelet design to them. You got um, all of these little figurines that were all named after flowers. Um, you know, they'd have like lily blossom, uh, tulip, um, popcorn, that kind of thing. And you got these little bracelets, little hair clips and things that you clip them onto. So like a very cheap version of a Pandora bracelet. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the toys themselves, they debuted in 1983. They were discontinued in 1984, which is an incredibly short timeline for a toy line. I think you'll agree with that, wouldn't you? Uh, oh, yep. And I've seen a few that only last a year, but it kind of adds to the rarity of it. Yeah, it, it does. And I mean, these are quite rare. But when I saw pictures of them, because um, I never owned any myself. I never even heard of them for the longest time. But when I saw pictures of the ti- the toys themselves, they're quite cute. They have nice little designs, nice molds. But the paintwork on a lot of them is incredibly sloppy. It's um, like it goes outside a lot of the lines. Their faces are very skewed. Now, some of it could be down to, because they're so rare, they're kind of old jumble sale type 
um, once the people haven't cleaned yet. Although for collectors, I think the first thing you do is you clean it. If it's if it's got some damage to it, you try and restore it. Is, would you say? Yeah, uh, if I pick up anything from a thrift store, especially Barbies from a thrift store, I um, make sure to clean it just because you never know what kind of years of bacteria have been on that doll. Yeah, there used to be a whole thing with the My Little Ponies actually that um, they occasionally grew this really weird black sludge on the inside of their necks. Um, so when you popped the head off in order to um, replace the hair or anything like that, occasionally you got this really odd black slime on the inside of it that was super super gross um but you know it, it, obviously you pop the head off in order to clean it anyway it's what you do you don't kind of take a picture of it and then show all of your friends that or even just put it on the official website so that seemed a little bit odd to me that nobody had kind of tried to restore these properly they were very very rubbishy looking and um, the one good thing i'll say is they had this great pair of sunglasses uh, they had little spots for the charms that you could put on them and I mean they look kind of like something David Bowie would wear they're fairly cool looking but all of the rest of them the hair clips and the combs and the bracelets and everything they're very very rubbishy looking even for a plastic 80s toy and um, so what my theory is is that this was a toy line that was designed to tank completely from stage one to stage end like I think I said to you if it was a person that had been murdered you'd be looking to who took out the life insurance on them if you can get a life insurance policy for a toy line and a cartoon then somebody put out a life insurance policy on this and then killed it that's pretty that's pretty terrifying I'd say mm. yeah I so mean and looking at and looking at these toys I they look like something that most kids would want to play with and it kind of blows my mind that it would uh it would tank so bad yeah well you see this is where the weirdness with the cartoon comes in because the toys on their own i mean <laughs> kids play with some really crappy toys um and even these i mean they were cute i would have played with them for at least five minutes when i was a kid um but the cartoon yeah i i'll have to explain the cartoon just step by step really so this debuted in 1983 um, and it was around the same time a lot of the toy based cartoons were coming out um, which was why it was on the DVD with the rest of these ones. So I think it was put in in a slot with the My Little Pony and Friends cartoon series and it had absolutely everything that it needs to, to actually be a really decent kind of childhood memory cartoon. The animation is really cute, it's really competently done. And like when you look at cartoons that were going on at the same time, um, My Little Pony and Friends, for whatever reason, every now and then, one or two frames that have the ponies with these red demonic eyes. Um, and in Moon Dreamers, people lost their lips all the time. And it was purely just because the animation was so cheap that they just kind of rushed it out without doing the quality check on it. That's stuff that I know because I went to animation college, but stuff that most kids would kind of overlook. But the animation in this is actually really well done. It's good quality animation. And it had some really big 80s voices. So, um, I don't know, you, you might be familiar with these people. Aileen Quinn, ring any bells? No, can't say it does. 
Uh, well, in the 80s, she was pretty big because she was uh, the original film Annie. So she, um, like, if you listen to any of the soundtracks from the Annie films in the 80s, whether it's the stage or the film version, that's Aileen Quinn singing it. So she was quite a recognisable voice at that time because she got a lot of um, promo deals out of being Annie. She was quite famous for a while. But again, this was the 80s, so she, I think she kind of disappeared as soon as she wasn't a cute kid anymore. And Sally Struthers, you might be slightly more familiar with her. Yes, I am I'm familiar with her. Okay, yeah, I, I only know who she is because of the South Park episode, but um, yeah. Uh, and then Ben Vereen, who I think he he was... I think he was on Star Trek, and I think he was the one responsible for reading Rainbow. What was the name again? Ben Vereen. Ben Vereen, huh? Yeah, um, listen, it doesn't matter. Um, but, it's okay. <laughs> but they, these were pretty big names to get for a cartoon in the 80s. Uh, like, you know, it wasn't like the likes of having Danny DeVito in the My Little Pony movie, but, you know, if, if you're an animation studio working within a budget, you're still spending quite a lot of money on these people. These were pretty, a pretty decent voice cast to get for your cartoon. Because there were people working in cartoons in the 80s that did every single project. You you hear them across every single franchise. Um, and it wasn't these people. But here we get to the absolute, the first problem. Um, the three main characters that they chose from the lineup of toys of all of the ones that they could have cho chosen were Brown-Eyed Susan, Willy Winkle and Lady Slipper. And I'm sorry, maybe I'm the only one who thinks this, but all three of those names sound like euphemisms for the parts of the body that we are not allowed to mention on this podcast. <laughs> you are um you are not the only person because that's exactly what was going through my head as well. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really blatant, isn't it? And especially in England and like well, the UK and Ireland because all of those names, immediately, that's where our brains are going to go to, even when we're like eight or nine years old. And it just sounds really, really rude. And that's the first problem with this thing, because they had characters with normal names. And I mean, there's like the baby in it, it's called Tulip, which is, a, you know, a nice normal name. But then you wonder, why is the baby so present in this cartoon that's about a rescue attempt? And... And that brings us on to our second problem. The character's making a lot of really stupid decisions. Um, even by cartoon standards. Um, the whole plot is that the Charmkins are having this festival. And they're all really happy. And they sing this song about how everybody's really lucky. And then there's this swamp over in the corner where the bad guys live. Um, and the main, the head guy is, the head bad guy is Dragonweed. Um... And he's really angry about them having their festival because how dare they have fun and live in a nice place instead of a swamp kind of thing. Um, but they, yeah, basically they stay away from each other. Um, but after Lady Slipper does her little dance, because Lady Slipper is a ballerina, she does a little dance at the festival. And then shortly afterwards, she decides to take a nap. But she takes a nap on a boat that is made out of a leaf. And said boat is just kind of tied to a tree and it's overlooking this massive waterfall. I mean, of all the places to take a nap, first of all. And then Dragonweed shoots this catapult because he wants Lady Slipper to come to the swamp in order to dance for him. 
and we will get into the very problematic nature of that in a minute but after they've kind of cut the boat out and it looks like she's going to go over the waterfall and die they she manages to get out at the last minute but she's landed in the swamp so now she's in the clutches of the bad guys and the other the two other characters and the baby and a random cat and a random dog and a random parrot all have to go and rescue Lady Slipper. But they never tell the grown-ups where they're going. They never even tell the grown-ups that anything has happened to Lady Slipper. And they take a baby with them. Which, even as a five-year-old, I would have said that was stupid. Yeah, are you, are you with me so far? Yep, yeah, I'm, I'm visualizing this. Yeah, it's um, it, it's quite a trip. Um, I mean, stupid plots aren't really that big a deal, I guess, for 80s cartoons. Um, I, I think they kind of assume that everybody has a very low IQ who's watching it. Um, and it's just... Just pretty colours. Yeah, and, and they are actually very pretty colours because, like I said, the animation in this is actually really, really good. But here's where we it gets really, really bad. Um, the villain is a grown man who is voiced by Ben Vereen. Um, and the way he talks about how he wants Lady Slipper to come to the swamp and dance to him very, very heavily implies that he is lusting after Lady Slipper, who is 10 years old at the very most. Nope. That's, that's, that's a big nope for me. <laughs> Was that the sound of you just trying to get up and leave? Yep, the door is slamming. I'm gone. Bye. <laughs> no, you see, like, it, and it's not even an isolated incident. It's like, when he starts off, he's like, oh, she's gorgeous. What a dancer. I want her to come here and dance for me in the swamp. That's bad enough. And then when he does get her to the swamp, he puts her in a cage. Um, what and a so creep. It's one of those cartoon cages where the bars are very much big enough that you can get out. <laughs> that logic. Yeah, and he says, um, he tells her, I want you to dance for me. And she goes, no, I don't want to dance for you. You're, you're a bad guy and you want to make the world all bad and horrible. And, you know, she gets on her moral high horse about it, essentially, and refuses to dance for him, even though like that is literally the only thing that he wants her to do. And he, you know, because it's an 80s kids cartoon, he'd probably let her go if she agreed to dance for him. But then, I mean, I mean, you have to question what kind of dance does he actually want her to do? This was a children's show? This, this was a children's cartoon, yes. All right, all right. Okay, it gets worse. Um, so the other kids are trying to get over and rescue her and they can't figure out a way to rescue her. Uh, and they are hampered by the fact that they decided to bring a baby and no adults with them. And then they get help from this witch called Poison Ivy who says, um, I just came here to mess with your heads. Uh, I'm not going to help you at all. Bye. And she just kind of bamps out of there. And um, it's really weird. What she essentially does is she tells him in a very roundabout way, hey, what if you use a disguise? And they do use a disguise to sneak up on the bad guys. But it gets discovered in like three seconds. So that whole sequence, which takes about 10 minutes, was completely pointless. Um, but then where it gets much, much worse is that Ben Vereen as Dragonweed has this song that I think is called Imagine If I Did My Worst. 
and he's singing it about Lady Slipper because he's threatening her. He says, um, if you don't do what I say, I'm going to do the absolute worst thing that I can think of to you. And it's all of his men suggesting terrible things to do to her. And he says, nope, that's not even the worst thing I could do to her. And if you were an adult who has been on the internet for more than five minutes, your mind is going to go to some really bad places. The things they could get away with back then. It's, um, it, it's a thing. It, it is a thing. Um, I, I had to watch it about three times the first time I got it because I just could not believe that they got away with this because it is super creepy like there's loads of shots of him advancing on her with like his hands crooked and claws like um he just looks like the biggest anorak wearing creep it's super super skeezy but it's also hard to believe that somebody you know considering how labor intensive animation is and all of the work that goes into it like in a film you can have like little bits and pieces where something has gone wrong and you accidentally left it in the film with animation it's much harder to do that if there is a mistake you're probably going to know that there was a mistake so the fact that this was greenlit and then uh not just one person but a whole bunch of people worked on this and said it was a-okay i have to think it's deliberate because they were trying to kill the franchise do you know they were trying to offend their audience they were trying to horrify the adults who were forced to watch this with their kids so much that they would never buy the toy and they would never commission another cartoon to be made. Um, and I mean, it ends in the most pointless way as well that, um, you know, the brown eyed Susan says to the bad guys, why did you kidnap our friend Lady Slipper? Uh, what do you want? Um, and he says something like, uh, oh, I just wanted a little bit of beauty in my life. And then they sing a song about how you can find a rainbow anywhere. It's actually a nice moment. If there's any nice moments that you can find in this cartoon. Um, but then Lady Slipper dances to this song. And it makes Dragon Reed really, really happy. So she's refused to dance for the last 20 minutes. Only to do it at the very end completely unprompted. It's it's quite a journey. And then, of course, they escape and the bad guys fall into the river, fall over the waterfall, probably die. And they do a reprise of the last song. And I, I mean, all of the songs in this are quite catchy. So, again, a lot of work was actually put into this for it seems like no reason. And uh, sorry, my cat has just jumped up here and wants to try and knock over the microphone. She has uh, opinions on this cartoon as well. Will you get down? Um, so, yeah, where was I? Talk about the end, the reprisal. Thank you, yeah. So, yeah, they do the reprisal and they're telling the adults about what happened. And instead of saying to them, why did you leave without telling us? Why did you bring our baby with you? More to the point, why did the adults not, miss, not, not pick up that their baby was missing uh, this whole time? And they just say, oh, goodness, that sounds like quite an adventure. You were very lucky you got away okay. And then they sing a song about being lucky. And then that's the end of the episode. It's it was just the most bizarre thing. And this is where my theory comes in. That I think that this was an effort to deliberately 
tank the whole thing. It is the cartoon version of Springtime for Hitler. No! <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to watch this. It, it's a beautiful experience um, that once you know this, you won't be able to see anything else. But I actually have precedent for this because um, a company actually did do this with their own cartoon series. Um, there's an animated series called um, Magical Princess Minky Momo. Um, it was very, very popular in the 80s, hugely popular in the likes of France and Spain and Italy um, and Japan. But the production company that was making it, uh, they were very unceremoniously cancelled shortly before they recorded their last episodes. And you'll never guess what they decided to do in the finale. What happened? Um, they had their main character, the magical princess Minky Momo, um, run over by a truck. Oh. Yep, second last episode. Well, that's one way to do it. Um, yeah, it, it was, because she was only about eight years old. Um, there was a lot of animes at the, at the time about kind of young girls with magical powers that were super, super popular in Japan. And this was one of the more popular ones, but for some reason they decided the franchise wasn't working out and they told the animators, yeah, you're just going to have to end it now. So end it whatever way you want. So they had Minky Momo run over by a truck. Um, now to get around it for the very last episode, they said that, um, she was reincarnated as the biological child of her adoptive parents on earth because she'd had these biological parents that were looking at, or these, sorry, adoptive parents that were looking after her while she was training to be a space princess on earth. And once she died, she was reincarnated as their actual baby. But then her space parents were like, We'll never forget our beautiful daughter, Minky Momo. We'll watch over her from afar, but she's never going to see us again. It was so, so sad. But it's now that entire property is rumored to be cursed because of the, um, the just the energy around it. Because shortly after Minky Momo got hit by that truck, there was an earthquake. Like we're talking within minutes of that finale while all of these kids were still sitting there in open mouth shock at the fact that Minky Momo was dead and then all of a sudden there was an earthquake but this wasn't this wasn't even the only time this happened they actually commit to make up for the fact that they made Minky Momo get run over by a truck they made a second season just to follow on from that with the the reincarnated Minky Momo and during the series finale of that, there was a second earthquake that was um, actually, it was a really famous one in 1995. It was fairly devastating. So yeah, Minky Momo has apparently caused two earth earthquakes. It's just that cursed. This is something else I'm gonna need to see as well because I, I like the visuals and I'd love to see um, where this goes, even though, I mean, the ending's already sort of been spoiled for me. I'd love to see it leading up to that. Well, you know, it, it's the most out of nowhere thing ever, really, because, um, I mean, up until that, it kind of follows along the same lines of a lot of animes that were coming out at that time. Uh, Studio Piero were doing a whole bunch of them. Um, they did uh, Magical Princess Pastel Yumi, um, Creamy Mami, Magical Emmy. They're all basically the same 
series really is uh, eight-year-old girl has magical powers becomes older girl in order to do things and they were very nicey nicey not much happened in them and Minky Momo was kind of a rival studio's version of doing the same thing um and just after a while I think the whole format got very stale and that's why Minky Momo itself was cancelled so the series itself isn't very exciting but it is so notorious because of that ending it just came out of absolutely nowhere and it's all because the production company behind it just decided to tank it in the worst way possible and i'm certain that that's what happened with charmkins is they were given this animation to work on and they were told yeah this is going nowhere so go nuts do whatever you want and they just decided to make it the most disturbing thing the most disturbing toy tie-in product that they could possibly have made yeah it's... now everyone would associate those toys with being uncomfortable yeah very very especially, uncomfortable. If, you, especially if you saw the animation and then looked at your children's toys and then questioned everything about them yeah I mean, I suppose they probably got away with it because, um, I mean, I always have a policy of if there's kids watching something in my house, I'm, I have to watch it with them and I have to interact with them while they're doing it because I always think it's kind of like a, a nice bonding activity. But I know that a lot of parents just kind of put their kids in front of the TV and then put on the video or the DVD or whatever it was they were playing and just kind of went away and did their own thing. So I think this, like, I'm sure that there's kids out there that said this was their favorite childhood film. Uh, but now looking back on it as an adult, I, why was this made? How was this made? How was any of this approved? I feel like they were able to get, I feel like they were able to get away with a lot of things back then without a lot of, um, without a lot of people flagging it down at each um, at each moment that someone was checking this for quality yeah. everybody probably was just like yeah it looks good to me <laughs> or they were trying to rush it out so quickly that they didn't uh, quite care about what the storyline was mm. and i suppose as well as that i mean um there's very few children working in the field of animation um so there are weird moments in other films um the my little pony film actually the one with danny devito in it has a really weird moment uh, where one of the witches, one of the human witches, gets spanked by what is essentially a boob monster. Uh, okay then. Yeah. Um, there's actually a lot of boob imagery in general in the My Little Pony movie for some reason and it's always involving the witches. Like their, their um, ship that they're sailing on. Um, there's a whole subplot with them. Um, Ponyland getting destroyed by this big purple expanse of goop uh, called called the smooths and the witches are sailing this boat on the smooths and singing a song about how the pony's home has been destroyed they're fairly gleeful about it but the ship itself like the sails are shaped like a massive set of boobs and a massive a massive arse oh yeah it's it's very very weird but i had vivid memories growing up about that spanking scene there was something really it struck me as very odd about that whole scene you know and I, then when you got older you realized oh this that wasn't 
that wasn't right. <laughs> yeah, now, um, luckily, it didn't, like, awaken anything in me. Um, you know the way... <laughs> Well, you know the way like people will say about like cartoons that they watched years and years ago, and they're like, um, "Yeah, I'm a furry now," kind of thing. It, it it never went that far, but the whole but when I was watching it as a kid, I always used to fast forward part past that part because it made me really weirdly uncomfortable. See, these are things. This is this is good media that I'm just gonna have to watch, and I don't mean good as in like good quality. I mean it's just something i'm gonna have to watch just to say that i had seen it now <laughs> oh so you have like a little notebook of uh things that you have to watch now i mean i'm full of recommendations i i've i've seen some shit man i really have i've seen some uh actually in the next couple of episodes we're going to be doing a thing on extreme horror films um which is the exact opposite of what i'm discussing with you now um so I don't know, maybe the fact that I watched these things when I was little prompted me to get into extreme horror as an adult. I don't know. Maybe that's what it awakened in me. Same here, although I think I was uh, I was too young. Not really, but I was very young when my parents started letting me watch like pretty extreme horror movies. But um, it really has shaped me into the person I am today. So. Mm. But, you, you know, I do think that people who are into that kind of thing are actually really lovely people in real life. Uh, because it's it's the horror part that actually keeps it kind of purges the evil in them almost um, and just makes them very empathetic people in when they're dealing with people in day-to-day -day life and um, there's a whole psychological correlation there uh, which is an entire different episode of this podcast probably but um, going back to weird stuff in children's media I mean there was also that whole thing with um even lately, animators are still doing this and causing a whole generation of kids to just kind of look back on what they used to watch as a kid and go, how the hell did they get, did they manage to put this on TV? There was that whole thing about Totally Spies that like almost every single episode is somebody's fetish. <laughs> are you okay? I, I, have, I have not heard this theory. Seriously. Oh my God. Um, I mean, every single fetish... Oh, wait, yes, I have. <laughs> yes, you have, yes, of course, yeah. Cause... Yes, I have, because I, I, I do watch, I watch a YouTuber who talks about animation, um... Saber Spark? animation that would go through my childhood, and I didn't watch this show, it was on, but I do remember his, his theory about how... Because I, I feel like there was an episode where one of the girls... They were turning into cat, like animals, and that's sort of like someone's how somebody would um, kind of get into the whole furry situation. It's like mm. someone could blame Totally Spies for that. Yeah, completely. I mean, that's just one thing. There was also the whole inflation thing. Yes. Okay, that was the other part too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's probably stuff about feet in there. There's um, like there's stuff about them growing to gigantic sizes and then shrinking down to miniature sizes it's just like some i mean it's either that the person who was running this show has a lot of stuff that he's into or he was getting paid to do this on the side you know this was a side hustle because i i have heard from kind of artist friends of mine that um you know 
catering to certain kinks in your art is actually really lucrative and people will pay a lot of money for it so I'm just kind of wondering like you know one person couldn't possibly be into every single one of these things somebody had to have been paying him paying him and just to see it oh gosh come to fruition that is that is a that's thing. dark that's dark <laughs> it, it it is pretty dark yeah and I mean then there's also the whole like um there's a scene in Roger Rabbit when Jessica Rabbit actually flashes the camera. Yes, I do remember that when she's in the car. Yep, for a split second. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of videotapes out there that have been wound down to the absolute limits. Just, you know. Just to get that on perfect pause. Mm, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I think we've probably done enough about this now and we we should probably move on um well this was a very short theory how do you feel about us um well i can say that i don't think it's i honestly don't even think it's that far-fetched that um this animation studio sort of uh, shot themselves in the foot on purpose hmm you know, it, it was basically kind of an animation suicide note for this poor toy line that never went anywhere. Maybe, and and maybe, maybe it had nothing to do with the, the toy line, but maybe they just didn't want to have to make a sequel. So somebody said, make the first one as bad as possible. Mm. Yeah, maybe so. But then, of course, it gets this cult status now. Well, you know, it's never reached the kind of the, the cult status, you know, in the... The kind of the underground uh, tapes of things that people watch because they can't believe it got made. Likes of a yellow dino saves the kids or Rem Lazar or something like that. Um, I, I have a whole list of uh, these these things. They're quite amazing. But, you know, I would love for this to be the thing that gets kind of passed around. It's the next, I cannot believe this was made. You know, we have to talk about this kind of thing. So maybe, maybe I've started a thing with this. I hope I have. You've definitely made me aware of it. And now I'm going to have to go watch these, uh, these series and make, get myself more familiarized with them and then share them with other people as well, because I love sharing terrible things with people. <laughs> well, I will start a GoFundMe for your therapy bills. <laughs> Thank you. Mm. Um, okay, well, I guess that's all we really have to say for this episode. Um, I have been Sinead. I'm Scarlett. <laughs> and thanks so much for joining us for this episode, Scarlett. It's been a lot of fun. Oh, yes. Thank you for having me. Having a lot of fun. Okay. So, uh, this has been Crackpot Theories, and uh, the truth is out there. And it's a lot more disturbing than you might think. Goodbye. <laughs>